Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with lugubrious layabout Chris Prunty and our special guest, Daniel Quinn. Daniel? How you doing? I'm doing well. We were originally going to have an episode all about the wilds of the world of a thousand gods, but with our special guest here, we're actually going to let him take the reins and explain the concept that he wants to introduce into today's podcast. Daniel, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, so my background is actually in science fiction. I actually don't read a ton of fantasy, but I do love fantasy. Played lots of RPGs, but science fiction is my thing. So I thought, well, what what kind of elements can we take from science fiction and bring into fantasy to enhance it? And I think, honestly, like these elements are used in all... Um, Fiction. You know, a fiction and writing. There's just certain universal truths and universal things that work in any kind of fiction. Absolutely. Exactly. For a reason. And these, yeah. these work well in science fiction, but I think they're going to work really well in your world. So mm. the really the topic that I'm looking at is wonder and the sense of wonder that you get from entering a particular world. Um, and so in science fiction, um, one of the, the, one of the uh, genre bending aspects that we deal with um, is in the dying earth genre. Where That's Jack Vance, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is like the where D&D essentially comes from. And in the Dying Earth genre, you have a setting that uh, feels medieval, but it's actually set in the far future when the sun itself is on the verge of death. So you've got this big bloated sun. Um, and you end up with uh, a state of wonder because you're encountering things that um, have certain qualities. Um, that, a sense of familiarity. Right. Yeah. So, so one of the things that come from science fiction um, that inspires a sense of wonder in a setting um, are called BDOs, or Big Dumb Objects. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen them in lots of different movies. Um, so, for example, um, in 2001, probably the most famous BDO is the monolith, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. the question is, what, what, can, what can we use, how can we take the BDO and put it into fantasy, and then what can we get out of it, um, since it has certain qualities that are really useful? Okay. So essentially what we're trying to extract here is... Let's take something that is really prevalent in a science fiction setting and create some kind of a hook or some kind of a staple that we can then insert into the land of a thousand gods and go from there. And what does what do what do BDOs, what do big dumb objects tend to do? Like what's what's their purpose in a sci-fi setting or in like fiction in general? Yeah, so a BDO is one way I think in sci-fi that you can engender a sense of wonder. Right. Mm -hmm. So BDOs tend to have certain set of qualities that I've noticed, you know, when you think of different ones in different in different um, contexts, Um, there's about five qualities, I'd say. So BDO is usually really rare. There might be one of them that you encounter. So, for example, um, in Larry Niven's Ringworld, you know, there's that ancient civilization that he encounters, which is a big, giant megastructure. And there's only one of it that he encounters. It's possibly in the past. There may have been more. Um, they're usually mysterious, so we don't understand their origins or how they function. Um, they tend to introduce a sense of danger, um, and that exploring them could be a problem for the characters with the setting. Um, this one's a little tricky, but they are also alienating. So, yeah, you're going to have to explain that yeah. one a little bit more. So like alienation is like the sense you get where, you know, you're in a place you're supposed to belong, um, and suddenly you don't feel like you belong. So it makes the familiar unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like looking at a mirror and suddenly you don't recognize your face. So there's something about a BDO that when you encounter it, there's something familiar about it. But at the same time, it, it makes you feel like, you know, you're not part of that anymore. 
Um, okay. it, 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 and usually that feeling uh, results in a revelation. So in science fiction, we have that happen a lot, like say in cyberpunk, where you've got like technology embedded in your body that makes your body suddenly alien to itself. Right. And that's the revelation. That's kind of like the greater societal aha moment that we have while reading it is the connectivity between ourselves, our bodies and society and the relationship between technology, that kind of thing. Exactly. I think you had a good example before with the movie Alien, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you've got this creepy biological gestating monstrosity crawling about the strip. Um, And really the alienation there probably has to do with Ripley, who, you know, is a mother and right. she, she, I mean, she's a motherly figure, right? And so she's kind of like um, dealing with a situation where her own qualities of being a woman are being turned against her, you know, and manifested mm-hmm. in this monstrous way. And then, it, and there's this moment of kind of self-reflection for her, where she understands what it means to be like a powerful figure, yeah. and what it means to be, in a lot of sense, like there's the perverse mother mm-hmm. in the computer, right? Yeah. And then there's the perverse mother in the alien itself, the the gestation period, and everything like that. And then you have like you have the the, the spectrum, so to speak, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the revelation that we, the audience and the viewers, experience, right? Yeah. So it's an uncomfortable okay. process, like alienation, but sure. it ends up in something cool. But what it ends up doing ultimately is creating a revelatory sense within the 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 fiction, yeah. right? Yeah, and so and the last the last piece I feel that videos offer is they're usually impossible, and by they mean by that I mean like they break some fundamental rule about the world, mm-hmm. um, and so being rule breakers in that way makes them really interesting. Cool, and that's it. I say those are the main qualities. Probably more, but that's what I'm all right. About. One of the things that I'm curious about is it going to be something that was on the world or is it something that appears to come from another world or another place is it either is it something that's embedded or something that's like a graph because both are interesting but no it could be either yeah it could be yeah i I think i think that's what we're going to find out today so what we're hoping to do today is we're going to create our own big dumb object for you here today and we're going to follow the five kind of guidelines that daniel's given to us we're going to make one that is rare mysterious, dangerous, alienating, and it's some kind of a rule breaker. So we're going to figure out some kind of BDO in our world. Uh, and we have, I think we have a couple of interesting examples already. Like I think that the the never-ending ritual to the time god is actually a pretty good example of some kind of a BDO. Like it, it, it is revelatory in the sense of what is exposed in the world and, de- and is a genuine sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really excellent way to, to start and, and kind of go from there. But I'd like to do something because when it, when you're talking about this, when you're talking about integrating sci-fi elements, my brain immediately goes to Numenera, which is the Monty Cook setting where it's, I think it's like 10 billion years into the future and there's been eight civilizations and everyone has had this kind of deep effect on the world to the point where there are now, um, I think they're called like red sandstorms or something like that. And they're essentially sandstorm looking things that are essentially nanobots and they strip whatever, most actually, not everything, whatever passes through them. And I think there's a sense of mystery and a sense of intrigue that is really interesting about these about these big dumb objects that we can really instill. And honestly, like this is this kind of stuff is what's really fun. Yeah. So like th- this is part of what I love about world building in general. So let's go ahead and make our own big dumb object here. Do we have any places we want to start? I have one place that I would like to start. Uh, I think it should be somewhere 
in the ocean or somewhere out to sea. Because I feel like we've done a lot of land-based things, and to get us back to doing the Age of Sail and everything, mm. I want something that is interesting in the ocean. Okay. But also not uh, going to Dagon, because I, I really feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah. super easy to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm afraid it's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, f- I feel like doing something like Cthulhu-esque is, yeah. is kind of played out, especially when it comes to oceanic stuff. And right? also, big dumb objects, all we would need is like, oh, there's a monolith in the middle of the ocean that yeah. blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay, so it's not going to be... So, so why don't we do this? Why don't we name some other big dumb objects that, oh, yeah. are, that are prevalent in fiction and kind of figure out, and, and maybe we can kind of retrofit or, or kind of strip parts from that aspect and go from there. Yeah. Uh, I think one that you mentioned earlier was from Annihilation, the movie and the book, uh, The Shimmer, yeah. which I think is really great. I think mm-hmm. something like that is kind of fascinating. Um, it gets dangerous. It's alienating. It breaks rules. Certainly is mm-hmm. revelatory. Oh, it breaks all the rules. It breaks yeah. all the rules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pylons on Cadia and 40K. For some reason, it can stem the tide of chaos. Uh, it makes it a place of strategic uh, value and everything. But no one knows how they work, mm-hmm. and when they tried to make how it would work, uh, shit got shit got weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very dangerous. Well, granted, it destroyed the planet. There you Kinda go. Kind <laughs> of yes and no. Not, it wasn't destroyed by the planet. That's too nerdy. Go. Okay. So so we're going with... So, so we're not doing Cthulhu. We're not doing just a... Because honestly, the first thing that came into my mind was like a world spike. Something that is driven through like the entirety of the world. And I mean, in the ocean, of course, that's where you can find it, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm not really sure if that's what we want to do. Oh, another kind of big dumb object that we had in mind, or at least one that we've kind of created already, was in Hondasa when there was that item that was like an orb or something like that. It was a, just a mysterious object mm-hmm. that they found underground and it was from a material that didn't match anything that was nearby and, and stuff like that. I think that that's the kind of stuff, but I want this to be really, I want this to be kind of a world mm-hmm. like, like it is, it is everyone knows of this. Everyone knows about mm-hmm. it. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. I yeah. want it to be something that's really earth shattering, so to speak. I mean, it's like, you know, when you look at the dark, like a lot of the art for say the dark tower series, you know, when you, or even the poem, it's based on you see the Dark Tower itself, and just the image of the Dark Tower tells you something about the wonder in this story. Right. Like it's it's something so immense and scary, and yet you want to go to it. That's the feeling you want. The that's, wonder. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing. Okay, so we're not doing a spike. Uh, I was thinking now. Now that I'm now that I'm really starting to kind of think about it, is it perhaps now that I'm thinking is it, is it maybe like a, a cyst? Or maybe an eye. I'm thinking of just like a big glass orb or like a semi-sphere mm-hmm. or something like That's that. in the earth. That is, yeah, it's just, it's immovable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything. But then again, what's the point of it? Because right. that's the other thing that we have to consider as well is that we want this to be mysterious and we want it to be interesting. But what about it makes it interesting, right? right? Because we want it to be interact. It can't just be some kind of stationary... Not it. It's just like a weird substance that just sits in the ocean. It has to do something, right? That's the other pro- problem that we're kind of facing here. And here's the disclaimer: you may have not figured this out. We're not as smart as the guys who wrote these things that we're talking about. <laughs> we're hoping that we can kind of yeah. scrape at glory here 
stand on each other's shoulders and maybe get to just a fraction of it. So with that caveat out of the way, where else can we go with this? I mean, I like what you said about like the surface of the orb. How does it interact with people? It makes me think of um, the movie Sphere, um, yeah. where they I think I think the way that the sphere worked is whoever could see their reflection in it, it gave them some special power. So that's like a personal connection to the object. So the question is like, how do you interact with this thing that you guys are inventing? That could actually be a personal re- revelation to the person itself or yeah. it's... Literal self-reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And some people go mad from it. Some people can accept it. Okay, oh, if yeah. we're talking about rule breakers, yeah, can we talk about the fact that this could be its own source of divine energy mm-hmm. in a way? So in our in our current setting, right? Everyone needs a god in order to tap into magic. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, or everyone needs a divine source. This thing, whatever it may be, maybe it's mobile, maybe it's like a mirage Ooh, where it appears. Right, yeah. where, where it's kind of like a mysterious, like you walk on there and some people, like you said, Chris, go crazy. They can't handle it. But those who leave this, you know, semi sphere or island or whatever it may be, they come back with powers akin to a god pacted person. Mm-hmm with no anathema, with no dogma, and they're their, they're their own god at that point. Is this how God started? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right, Ooh. exactly. And Question that's the mystery that. aspect mm-hmm. of it. I would also like, I would like it to play on the infinite planes of things. The multiverse thing yes. that we have going, yeah. And I think if someone were to see uh, that spread out in front of them, it would cause a kind of madness, but it would also cause some brilliance. Mm-hmm. That's actually really fascinating. I just thought of a really crazy fucking idea. Maybe it's not just a revelation or a self-reflection. Maybe this is like a nexus point yeah, well, where multiple versions of yourself all fuse together into like what is essentially a paragon of yourself. It's or it, the it knowledge, be, the experience, right? Past and future, because this is, isn't in the setting. The app, their afterlife multiple moves across multiple universes, right. so it could be their future and past selves, all lives. at the same time. Yeah. Combined, like you're, you're essentially. Oh, I can't believe I'm about to make this dumbass reference. You're Jet Li from The One. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. That's such a bad movie. It's so yes, good though. It's terrible. So good. It's terrible, but I think that... I want to watch it. Uh, no, no. Yeah, well, yeah, let's watch it after the podcast. No, but the, but the concept of it, right, where it's like you're essentially fusing every aspect of yeah. yourself and... Again, incredibly rare. And maybe this version of yourself isn't able to do it. Maybe every version of yourself is doing it all at the same time or something like that. Oh, in every universe? In every oh, universe. It's, it, it like requires perfect synchronicity and something, anything, mm-hmm. like even one person fucking it up it can just, work. that's it, right? So the, obviously now we're going to have this thing where it's incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. To, to get away from the sphere thing, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you, re- you might remember the comic. Because I believe you lent it to me, gave it to me, or I bought it on your recommendation. It was the one where they had this weird blade-like thing that showed the tapestry of all the universes. And it was uh, depicted as like a shard of breaking glass in the comic. That wasn't me, but that sounds dope as fuck. And rather than it being a sphere, it's something that no matter which way you look at it, it still looks 2D. And it's just a plane of glass that looks like it's breaking. And what you're seeing... Is every instance of yourself every like fractalized? Yeah, yeah. and oh, it's, it's maddening to look at. I love that. 
I like that you're getting away from to the trope of the sphere because yeah. it's like the the geometric objects we've seen a lot, like especially in Cthulhu, these bizarre like shapes. But the oh, idea of like a flat fractalized like plane, that's neat. That's neat. Yeah. Oh, know? and it could make it even harder to see because you might uh, miss oh, it. Oh, because you're only seeing it from one specific side. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. All right. So all people right. traveling are just like, that's weird. I, right. For a moment, I could have sworn I. Oh man, that that's actually really fascinating. So it's it, we can literally call it something like the world shard Ooh. or the time shard or something mm-hmm. like that, where you only see it at a certain angle. Yeah. That's and they all have shard to look. Of existence. In shard all of, of those existence. universes, they have to look too. We got to be careful because shards. When you say it like that, it sounds very close to shard. I'm, trying, I'm just trying to avoid Shards that. Shards of existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it also works. It's what yes. the gods call it. Fucking shards of existence. Shards always of- fucking up shit. <laughs> okay. All right. So this, I love this idea, especially with the, so how does it move? Because now I'm trying to think of, I don't want it to be a, I don't want it to be in just one place. Right. Yeah. Because I want it to be something that is, you essentially stumble upon it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a once in a lifetime or infinite lifetime opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this thing is already fairly mysterious. Like, why does it exist? How does it move around? Yeah. So I think that we kind of tick the box there. The rare, the rarity of it, I think that, again, as I was saying, once in a lifetime opportunity, the fact that you cannot find this thing. Like, even those who have walked away from the world shard and come back to it, it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a trick of the mind or it's, it's some kind of... Um, trick of the light. Flash yeah, yeah. On the so, horizon that you see, almost like a glitch in the matrix kind of yeah. thing, you know, where it's like this is it. What happened, you know? And I think leaving leaving it kind of like okay, we have it mysterious, cool. Leave it that way. I don't want to know where it comes from. I don't care to know. I find it more interesting as kind of like this unknowable thing. Like, why does it exist? It's it's a it's a literal piece of eternity. Whatever it is, it's dangerous because you can. Oh, okay. Hold on. In, in terms of danger, right, getting to it should be fairly dangerous. It's in the middle of the sea. I'm sure that there's some kind of danger wrought with that alone. But moreover, you have the possibility of wiping out every existence <gasps> of yourself in every eternity and every, like, universe, right? Yeah. 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 So that's dangerous. What else can we do to make the surrounding area more dangerous? Like, what's happening to the area around it? Is it shimmer-like in the sense of what the environment around is like? Is it I, causing things to happen? I was thinking it could, but it's the fact that not only maybe is it displaying things from the other uh, timelines, different realities, but imagine the effect of the world, the, the ocean, of having currents, mm-hmm. temperatures, storms, everything that is affecting on several different levels. Even if it's a small amount, it's the fact that whirlpools would form, tornadoes would form... The weather system in the area is completely unpredictable, and mm-hmm. people have generally avoided it because it's like, yeah. Okay, so so realistically, this thing is a, it, uh, takes on the form of a storm in a lot of ways. So that would explain why people ignore it or avoid it and whatnot. I can also see it like summoning, or not summoning, but essentially being like some weird nexus point where there are these amalgam creatures, kind of similar mm-hmm. to the shimmering, you know, where it's not necessarily just you know, like a bear and a human, but maybe it's like three different types of sharks that like just don't come out quite right. And so you're seeing like this really awful kind of monstrosity. It's things that slipped in between the cracks. 
Something like that. Or actually, we can even add something like that where it's literally... Uh, Lumineers? What, what is the name of that? Uh, where the people are in the airplane flying over the world that's been... Langoliers. Sure. Langoliers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those that fucking... Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Where, where they're essentially like parasites on the... On the in, on existence. On existence, right. Because yeah. it's a mixture of different... Of the same creature from multiple universes. So who knows... Right. You know, what it's become when it's unified. Oh, I'm just I'm just imagining just like several heads of teeth that are all spread wide where it's like mixed evolution. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And not only that, but like just imagine just a full 360 of teeth because that's just how it formed in this particular version. And of course it doesn't make sense. It's hurting your brain to look at. It it is in constant pain existing that way. Yes. Absolutely. And maybe you too can become that. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question about I, I motivation. There would be certain yeah. things that are humanoid that not only went insane, but mm. maybe just it's just like, oh no, C-34A didn't show up. Fuck, now I have a hand out of my head. Right. This one was a coward. <laughs> like, you, Why'd you have to be a coward, man? What were you going to say? Oh, I was thinking like that, that brings up good questions about motivations of people who want to f- interact with this thing, right? Mm. So it's like, if you're a villain, maybe you think you can gain some power by unifying all of yourselves. If you're like some philosopher, maybe you think you gain some insight by going and meeting with all of yourselves as one. Mm. So like, what does it give back to you? Yeah. I feel like part of me wants it to be like there is a siren call that it kind of yeah. emits, right? There's been this emptiness inside of me my entire life. Right. Oh, I love that. Where, where even like cowardly people, they look at this thing and they feel this this powerful pull. So yeah, I think I, I, what I find really fascinating is like there's like even cowards are drawn to this thing. There's some unknowable like... I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like a seduction or like there's some kind of a, you just help, can't help but feel drawn to it. I've dreamed of this place forever. Yeah. And, and, and the thing, I don't think that people know that it's like the nexus where all of your, cre- all of your, you know, people kind of meet or mm-hmm. all of your selves meet. I actually think that they don't know. They just want to go there. They can't explain it. I, I like the mysterious nature of it that maybe some madman who almost formed his complete self like wrote down of it and then someone who was it just like I, I, I know this. I felt this. That's, I need to find it. That's the Necronomicon. That is yes. that is literally H.P. Lovecraft's The Mad Arab or whatever yeah, his name I is. Yeah, I want that. Narlotep? Exactly. No, but not Dagon. No, no, no. no, no. no he he's the Arab. It's, I can't remember yeah. his name right now. It's, it's the like, one who tried to find Narlotep. It's like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Narlotep? No. Yeah. Narlotep. Or... Bless you. Oh, I hate you. Because... <laughs> whatever. Okay. <laughs> so the alienating aspect... I think that's also a fairly easy pull as well because now we have this thing where you come back from it and you are you are essentially a deity. You are essentially a god. And, okay, so this is the other thing. This thing is obviously insanely rare and to have someone come back from it is even rarer. And to have someone come back from it on this particular plane is rarer still, right? Mm-hmm. And... The, in the alienating aspect that I was getting at, no one, literally no one and nothing except, and perhaps not even the gods themselves, can understand what this existence is like. And so my question now becomes, what does the alienating aspect of feeling so apart and so ascendant, what does that do? What, is, what does it do for us as an audience? 
Well, I mean, one of the basic things that's happening when you're looking at multiple versions of yourself is you're encountering what you could have been. So, Mm. you know, what if you, when you got angry and you fought with your wife, you actually killed her? There is a universe where you did that. Of course. And now you've subsumed that person into yourself. So what does that mean for you? You have to accept that other version of yourself, that you're capable of that. So there... That's the alienation. That's that's Mm. really fascinating because now now you have this... These these people, these these beings, because mm-hmm. can you really call them people at this point, who are walking around? I can imagine one just wandering for eons, just trying contemplating to contemplating it, <laughs> contemplating and, and and consolidating and, and and understanding what's going on with themselves, and just being like coming to terms. Mm-hmm. Am with, I a god? Am I greater than am I god? a monster? You know, like, yeah. exactly. It, you're and and then eventually you sit down and you realize that you're both. Mm-hmm. And and not it, yeah. so I think that's also I think that actually really helps for me as an audience member right to kind of explore this idea is it allows you to understand to grapple with the nature of humanity like to understand that you have duplicitous feelings within yourself and to what it's like to live with that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got the alienating aspect. We've explored what it means. We've got the final one, the final rule that we're kind of getting into which is ironically a rule breaker. And the obvi- and again another obvious thing where it's this is no longer the or or this object or this thing this shard of reality is no longer or or rather gods are no longer the only source of magic. This thing for whatever reason and however it happens is what brings out some again. I want to keep the na- the mysterious nature kind of like questioning what the fuck exactly and how exactly this happens. But this is where magic now comes from. Is this thing and and so that again obvious rule breaker there. Does that mean that the people that are transformed are like the settings versions of sorcerers? Perhaps or maybe they're just living magic or living magic. Yeah, yeah conduits, magical constructs. Yeah. You know, like. They're rare enough no. that I, I yeah. feel like you they can be whatever you want. Sure. Yeah, I, I and think the power that, scale can be random. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And, and not only that, but I think that what we should do now, now that we've kind of broken down the, the five major points, is why don't we just try and create one? Like right now. Like who is this who is this person now? I mean, obviously you can have it so there is the big bad evil guy. I think mm-hmm. that's the obvious choice, right? Where this person comes in and is you know, like, hey, I've come back from this thing and it has a goal and it's going to achieve that goal and I have all the magic, so what's to stop me? Alternatively, we could also go with it's a world warden where it kind of tries to manipulate things as it sees fit and to kind of tie in with the apotheosis or the god blob, as we used to call it. I mean, you can you can have... Maybe that's what's going to stop the apotheosis. Maybe this is the white blood cell to the virus that is the apotheosis, where there's this team of reality-splitting conduits. You're essentially creating the Avengers, like a multi, like a multi-universal Avengers team, and then they're coming together. I, I actually think that that's kind of interesting. I mean, like, the way it functions makes sense because the god blob is essentially, like, absorbing potential future places to ascend to, right? Is that essentially what it's doing? I mean, it, it essentially just... It, it it forces 
divine coalescence mm. with the gods on its planet. And those planets. And then once there's no longer a planet, it just leaks over into the yeah. next universe. Whereas so this one's a, doing the opposite. It's almost like bringing things that could be devoured to itself and then merging them into one. But I guess there is an inherent danger because now you've taken all of those versions of that thing and put it in one place. And you're you're also kind of shattering reality in each of the other multiverses as well. Because if the God Blob gets to that person, now it's absorbed all those universes' versions of that person. But that person's not technically divine. Oh, right. Because they're not a god. That's so right. yeah, yeah. Guys, th- there, yeah. Is, there is so much. <laughs> there is so much here that we can do. Like, I'm now thinking like, well, fuck. What if they're God pacted? Right, like a, one. Chances mean, are, one part of them is. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like, there, it's not. What if? It's like yeah. there's obviously be. going <laughs> to be infinite numbers of you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're you're all of the God pacts at once. And all the gods come with it. That's and, another and question like, mark. What personality yeah. comes to the forefront? Mm-hmm. I like, feel like their personality might be a little bit like Doctor Manhattan, where it's just oh, somewhat yeah. detached. Yeah. It was just like I can see molecules, and also. Through all planes of existence, I have experienced this already. Totally. Yeah. Or Gandalf, like the the being that Gandalf is, like those what are they called? Is Istari? Maya. It's out there, like the, whatever the angel Chris would know. they are in Lord of the If Rings. anyone here yeah, would know, yeah. Chris would know. Yeah. 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 Isatars would be the wizard of what they were. Maya. Uh, yes. That's right. what I mean. Yeah. Yes. So like that angel like creature is essentially what it's like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. We've got a Lord of the Rings scholar. Oh d- boy, do we. <laughs> do you remember that time that I I started doing the dance before you had put on the yes. image? <laughs> yes, I did. I played the, the Tom Bombadil song. And I started going And he started dance. doing the You know the Bombadil dance? Oh, it's your god. No, yeah. and then he brought up the image. Same exact dance I was doing. Exact same god. dance. It was... It's burned into his DNA. I mean, I appreciate point. it. I took a Lord of the Rings seminar in undergrad. So, like, I'm into it. But I am by no means know anything. <laughs> I did a... In my English class, I did it about World War One and Tolkien, about oh, like how it was inspired and yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. all the goblin, the, the orcs, and his hatred of war and how yeah. war destroys. Let we can go oh into Lord different of story. Much <laughs> yes. I thought this podcast yeah, yeah. was about world building, not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> We're off track. Lord of the Rings. How did he build it? Tune in next time. <laughs> oh, Where are the God. wonders in Lord of the Rings? The what? Not Doom. Sort of. Um, the, I would imagine the artifacts of Sauron are probably yeah, big, big dumb rings. objects, right? But again, this is know. not a Lord of the Rings sure, podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get back to our very cool <laughs> idea that is actually really it's cool. Actually cooler, I think. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's just kind of spark off some ideas and plots that I'm kind of tossing around in my head because now, again, instead of playing as someone who is god pacted. Like if you're if you're gonna be playing this as an RPG setting, or if you're gonna be writing stories about this type of world, it is no longer just about the god pacted. It is about being a conduit. It's about being this being, and you know if everyone or if again I can see it as two ways, right? If everyone like you can either play a game or write a story about the god pacted people because they're already movers and shakers in their own world, but then you can also do a story where it's all about the conduits and the people also what like there's so much here there's such a deep vein that we can mine for beautiful stories what happens if there's two what happens if there's two of them and now you're like you're like world shattering powers coming how many are there how many are there i would like to where a cynic gets the conduit gets there and is just like divinity is a joke 
right pure nihilist mm-hmm. yes yeah mm-hmm. again there's matter. there is so much there's it's such a great idea um, I, I can't I mean like fucking pat ourselves on the backs like that's really cool I think come on yeah we can thank Jack Vance <laughs> I will never thank Jack Vance actually you know Jack Vance is fine I just when you brought that up by yeah, the way yeah. I have cringe. to say because I'm not a fan of like so far into the future uh-huh. that it's medieval I think that oh, it's, I like that no I think it can be really hokey mm-hmm. like for example one of the worst books I've read and it had this trope I want to read that book. I hate it it's it's called The Prince of Thorns oh I know what you're talking it's about it's like a trilogy yeah. And it's like, there's like, oh, you're on the lich's highway. And people are like named na- regular ass names, oh, but like one letter I off. I have a good one for you. That uh, That's the opposite. So it's um, from the Book of the Long Sun. And so the, the first one's called The Shadow of the Torturer. And it's set in a medieval world where the character, the, the main guy, yeah, he's got it there, Shadow and Claw. Like the, the, I'm literally pointing out in my bookshelf yeah, so as the, we speak. You, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. You got Severian, yes. the Torturer, and it's you realize as you read it, because he uses a lot of old Roman language, Latin terms, essentially, to yeah. name things, that it's actually set far in the future, like the remnants of the future. Right, right, right. That's doing an example of doing it properly. It, it, yes. Yeah. Although, it's been done well. Yeah. I'm not saying it hasn't been done well. <laughs> I'm just saying wrong. when it's done poorly, like in Prince of Thorns, yes. I just hate it so much. I'm like, still I really just. reading it. And I once again forget the author's name, but uh, Stormlight Archives. Is that Brandon Sanderson? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something about the armor and the weapons in it uh, seem like it's the future, but it's also the past because it's sword and plate is what people use. You know, I still things. haven't read any of Brandon Sanderson stuff. Yeah. I, I, I've, it's been on my list for the longest time, and I know he's supposed to be a really fantastic writer. I just haven't touched any of his stuff yet. I haven't read either. So you like, can't call me out on anything. Yeah, but our our listeners can. Uh, the not wh- that I have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's this is not your D and D group where you can just blatantly steal from other people and then and then, and then like pass it off as your own. Whoa, whoa, whoa! They never asked me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, Chris, I'm reading through your campaign notes. This sounds really familiar compared to. You know, all the games that I've run for you. It's really weird. I, it's an homage. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's uh, how all writing works. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is, this is not Bastige. This is Festige. <laughs> oh, come on. There's there's nothing that. <laughs> no, there's nothing that egregious. But anyway. The jungles of Ritesh are completely original. Oh my god, you son of a... suck a dick. (laughs) I was writing about Ritesh before the... You absolutely were... Well, yeah, because I told you about it when I was working, workshopping it with you. I don't know if that's true, and my memory does not work enough to tell me whether or not I stole it. You stole it. Well, you should also... Yeah, no, you stole it. All right. You can edit that out, damn it. (laughs) I sure can. (laughs) And I will, in fact... All right, so I feel like we've we've come to a head with this idea. Uh, we've created a, I th- what I think is actually a really fascinating BDO. I think that it evokes all of the things that we're looking for. I think that if anything, I have been I haven't been this excited for something like this in a long time. Like I think that just well, I mean that's not true. But since last episode, <laughs> yeah, since right. my since my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> This is the proudest day of my life. Yeah. You have two children and were married recently. I know what I said. I don't have children. <laughs> I also do Galaxy. like the idea of people like 
possibly going by it and just being just, just like, well, I just saw like 20,000 just miss it. Just what like, was that? <laughs> just like missing their destiny entirely. Yeah. Like there's a oh thousand sad stories. Did oh. you ever see the uh, Star Trek episode where it has like the million, just like we just received 1,175 hails from 1,126,000 yes. enterprises? enterprises? Yes, yes, that was amazing. Yeah, I was going to mention a BDO from Star Trek, the one from, Vo- from Voyage Home, the, the probe. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a BDO. Right, yeah. What are you up to? Wasn't that the Voyager probe? Um, yeah, it was the Voyager probe. No, no, it was the one. Is that the one with the whales? The one with the whales. Is what the I'm one, talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it, it was, was the same. Yeah, was it? It like evolved, became a supercomputer. If it, yeah, well, there's that one too. Why does God need a starship? Exactly. There's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Star Trek has a lot of videos. Oh, uh, I think that we should add in as a general disclaimer when yes. we use BDO, we're not we're using it as in a very broad sense, not in the. I think, as Daniel said, sci-fi grognard <laughs> specific term. Yes. Uh, but but again, again, I'm, I feel very excited about this concept. I don't know where else we can go with from here. I think it's a great starting point, and I think that it's going to be. I don't know. I think there's just so much about it that we can get into. In the wilds of the ocean, I really would like creatures that kind of float in between the cracks as being like leviathans or something to that effect. I mean, if you want to talk about Golden Age of Sail, I mean, something like that, like maybe also if you want to... Yeah, exactly. Not just that, but imagine like, okay, well, why haven't they explored? This is why they haven't explored. Uh, I was watching a documentary on the Golden Age of Sail and everything, and one of the things that it we haven't touched on is piracy. Ooh, that's a good episode. Because piracy and also the legalized piracy of where privateers and everything were used and the trade companies of like the East Indian company. No, I've I've mentioned stuff like that. So if we're going to be doing that, I do want to mention that in the Wilds episode, which is going to happen next time. Next week. Next week, yeah. Well, unless we get another special guest. This Mm -hmm. has been... Actually, Daniel... I want to say thank you so much for coming on. And do you have anything to plug in the meantime? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you because it's been a huge fun. Like, I've never really done a podcast. So, for one, I'm terrified as to how I might sound. But for two, like, it, I just forgot that we were on a podcast, which I think is great. That Yes, yeah. I think that's so a thanks. huge compliment. That, that's usually awesome. what happens with me and why I go away from the mic. Yeah, I mean, maybe so it's all the drugs we took beforehand, but I think it's guys. great. Thank you. Um, and... In terms of plugging, so I'm I finished a sci-fi book, so I'm trying to get it out there, um, and it's called The Fixer. The Fixer. Yes. Okay. So we can expect this in store shelves. What 2021? <laughs> 2024, maybe if I'm lucky, <laughs> <laughs> depending on how the publishing industry works. Okay. You know, okay. Just release it on Amazon. <laughs> I could do that. Can't can't that one person who's been famous for like pounded in the butt by my own butt kind of thing? <laughs> well, yeah. that's yeah. You're self-published, like Chuck Tingle. Not not to. I media, media, and literature. I think I'll write some other furry material for that. You know, like yeah, for okay. Amazon. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we sitting in? Are we sitting with the Doctor Chuck Tingle right I, now? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, Daniel, thank you so much for coming uh, and sitting in with us on this very special episode. I think that you've brought an amazing. Uh, aspect to the podcast and uh, I'd love to have you on again at some point I think that'd be really great and if you have any questions for Daniel like if you want to sign him and give him a book deal you can go ahead and reach me and then I'll get in contact with him Uh, very minor finder's fee yeah whatever it's fine I mean yeah 
But you can do that by emailing us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. And I've been Rob Hilferty here with Chris Prunty and Daniel Quinn. Thank you very much for listening, and we love you, and we'll see you next week. And don't forget to like and subscribe and ring that bell. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>